You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross Vogel, your host. I have Kimberly Gerber with me today, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of Accelerate. Kimberly Gerber has developed a transformational coaching process that combines high-touch experiences with cutting-edge science and technology to deliver programs that accelerate the thinking, behavior, and results of her clients and the companies they lead. Prior to founding Accelerate in 2002, Kimberly was a Fortune 100 executive herself. She understands the unique responsibilities that come at the executive level and has created leadership programs to help executives think strategically, elevate their presence, finesse their communication, achieve their goals, and provide sustainable business results in a productive environment. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yes, I'm looking forward to, you know, as a fellow coach uh, who has also been in this space for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, you, you also joined before uh, people really knew what coaching was. And I you know, uh, I'm sure you've experienced the same. It, it used to be kind of an uphill, I don't want to say battle, uphill challenge, we'll call it, because you first had to explain what coaching was, and then you could talk about maybe how you might be able to help them. So, wow, it's gotten a lot easier now. People know what coaching is, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It's become rather ubiquitous. Yeah. So, so tell me uh, about and what impact you're working to make in the world. So um, the work that we do these days primarily is with executive leaders and their teams. And whenever we're working with, with those um, types of folks, we're doing a combination of things. In our practice, it's not just, um, it's not simply straightforward executive coaching, although that is always a part of the process. We are always working with folks who are leading large organizations or large business units. And what we're looking to do is really help them build sustainable cultures of exceptional communication. And that's that's uh, both on an interpersonal level as well as an organizational, a kind of an orchestrational level. So we're, we're working a lot of times with an executive to address the needs of the organization and then really figure out how that, how that work, how the communication, how all of that flows through their teams. And so, you know, the work that we do is really powerful because we're working individually with people, but it's able to be magnified across an organization because we're also working with teams of people. So anything that we're doing from a, an initiative perspective or a training perspective gets magnified pretty quickly throughout an entire sometimes the entire organization, and if not the entire organization, then really big um, portions of it. And, and having been in um, training and communication and, and learning and development for the, for the last 20 years, and, and having then also worked in, you know, as an executive running organizations and running departments within organizations for the 10 to 15 years before that, it's really, it's really motivating and fun work to be able to affect what I consider sustainable change, because you're changing kind of the cultural norms of the organization in 
some organic and very fast paced ways. Um, it's really, you know, it's it, it definitely, you know, my kids, I've got kids who were kind of in the teen and tween years and they always say, though I was like, mom, what would you do if you could do anything you wanted? And I'm like, exactly what I'm doing because I can see the impact on a daily basis with people and with their organizations. So it's super motivating work. Now, don't you love when you are coaching individually with one person and then you're maybe working with another team or department mm-hmm. or individual and you hear some of the language or concepts that you've uh, worked with, you know, yes. the one person and it's, you see like, oh my gosh, it's cascaded. It's a uh, Definitely an awesome feeling. So you said that you work mostly with larger organizations. Talk to me about uh, the size mostly of the companies that you work with. So they're not always super large. I mean, we work with Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 organizations, and they're very large organizations. And in those cases, we're usually working with a, a vertical within the organization. We also work Uh, very well. And um, we're an excellent fit for fast growth companies with with anywhere from, I would say, a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand employees. And in those organizations, so sometimes mid-market, sometimes uh, early stage, publicly traded companies, um, sometimes PE-backed companies, where they the, the, the commonality amongst all of them is they want fast growth and they're on a fast growth trajectory versus, you know, if you just think about the growth, you know, the growth curve of an organization, these are, are organizations that are on that that left side and they're heading upward um, and they and they want to get there fast. And so a lot of times when an organization uh, that's, you know, anywhere again from maybe 200 to 1,000 or 2,000 employees, that, you know, that's kind of crossing the mid to large size companies. And and those organizations are going through a tremendous amount of change structurally. And, you know, the infrastructure of their organization is changing. It's very dynamic. They're, you know, usually a lot of a lot of change, a lot of growth in terms of numbers of people coming in. But that always also means people transitioning out because not everybody who comes in is going to be a perfect fit. So those are the types of organizations where we can come in, partner with them, and really help them stay focused, help their leaders stay focused where they need to focus, and then help them build and and ground the culture, a really positive culture, as they grow. So that is a is a real sweet spot for us. And again, it's it's not always exactly the size or type, but it's a little bit the culture and the speed with which the organization wants to move. Great. So talk to me a little bit about what personal experiences you had that motivated you the most to work on this unique unique impact. Sure. So I think that for my my personal experience uh, that has motivated and really been the launchpad for this part of my career, this what we do at Accelerate is uh, the early days of of being uh, in, in the corporate environment myself. I was very lucky to enter a Fortune 500, excuse me, a Fortune 500 company at an early age in a in a kind of a senior management type 
of position and it was a very flat organization. And so the name of the company was Fleetwood Enterprises and I worked on the housing side. And right from the get-go, I worked right alongside of C-level executives. And that that had less to do with me and more to do with the way the that the organization was structured, very flat, but it provided me immediate and ongoing access to, you know, the CFO, the CEO, the 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 C-level executives who I were sometimes the people that were actually teaching me how to do things like read a balance sheet and, um, you know, man- manage a P&L. And very quickly, I uh, grew within that organization, took on a lot of responsibility, was a hard worker, um, you know, smart, nimble, and really, really wanted to do a great job. And so those early years, I got promoted a lot. And within a couple of years, what I really found was I was bumping into myself left and right. I had such a strong focus on the fit, like what I would say, the practical or the tangible results that I was tasked with and had very little natural uh, perspective, I think is the right word for the how I was impacting people within the organization. And so um, you know, I had really great mentors, some that I sought out and some that just showed up for me. And, and I had just, you know, was surrounded by, by opportunities to kind of see that, um, that even though I was a very strong performer and frequently promoted, I wasn't always the easiest person to have on the team. I never got that. I mean, well, not, I did eventually got that at the time. I didn't get that because I thought, well, what's the most important thing we're doing here? We're trying to achieve something, however, you know, we go about it. But at a certain point in time, before I hit my 30s, I realized that I didn't actually want to be that person. And so um, I had a journey and it's it's probably one of the, the toughest experiences that I personally went through. It's about three years, really. And I, I put it in three segments to when I think about it, I have a journal and and I've looked at it a, a number of times and it, and it really was about this three part journey. The first one was really trying to see what others saw, like why they didn't get how great I was, which sounds like kind of a funny and silly thing to say now. But I really at the time, that was what I thought, like hey, I'm all this in a bag of chips. Look what I can do. Why doesn't everyone think I'm as great as I think I am? And that was, that it was, I learned a lot of hard lessons in that year. It was very difficult, I think, to come face to face with the impact that I had interpersonally versus the impact that I was making tangibly in the business. Um, Once I saw that, it was kind of cringeworthy, uh, but I wanted to do something about that. I knew that that wasn't kind of the full landscape of who I was because it certainly wasn't what I intended. And that right there, I think, is one of the most important lessons to take away as we're kind of looking at people who we maybe uh, don't feel comfortable around or we think should change is a lot of times that that person doesn't really understand the impact that they're having in their environment. And that is, once I became aware of that, really understood that, I started to try and figure out, okay, I get what people see. I don't want to be that person. What do I need to do to change? And that was another part of the process that was really difficult, you know, to kind of figure out. And quite frankly, we're going back, you know, 25 years now, and there weren't all the resources then that there are today. Executive coaching, as you mentioned earlier, didn't really exist. And so while there were some resources, they weren't robust like they are today, and they felt a little punitive. But I did have an opportunity. I went to the Center for Creative Leadership, got to see a lot of my talents, which I had never truly been exposed to as talents, and I got to see myself in this different way. And then the third part of the process for me was really 
the courage to actually make change. And I think this is where a lot of people get stuck because they hear feedback, they get a sense of what they could do, but then really actually doing it day in and day out, making those changes, giving up old behaviors that feel very comfortable, give, you know, trying things that are very uncomfortable. Um, for me, it was really extending myself, being authentic and transparent. I mean, I was always authentic, but I wasn't ever transparent. I was, I was always hiding my vulnerabilities. And so to really be vulnerable on purpose, that took a lot of work. It was really hard for me to, to not try and be perfect. And, um, and that took, you know, that was a, a, a definite three-year journey during that time frame. I, I was recruited to another company. I got to work at Starbucks. And during what I would call their heyday, um, lots of growth, lots of energy, um, so many fun things to do. And, um, and, I, and I got to be the marketing director over their largest business unit on the West Coast. And so I just had all kinds of opportunities in a people-centric organization. And that really helped me personally understand how to go out and and to be the best leader I could be. And then I had so much fun doing that. And I, so many things changed for me personally that I began putting together a program, trying to teach people uh, this process that I'd gone through. And so while I was still working at Starbucks as a leader, I really began building um, my first program, which I called Communication Mastery. And um, and that really ended up being the, the, the foundation of Accelerate. And so when I went into, I, you know, I took a COO job for a bit during the dot-bomb.com era, but that, that actually very organically led itself into a consulting firm, Accelerate, which I started in 2002. And even though I did a lot of marketing consulting initially, I always knew that I was going to do leadership consulting because I personally had had such a transformation. So as you think back to all the clients that you've helped over many years, what is one that really comes to mind that really fuels your passion when you think about, man, that was so fun to help create that impact for that organization or that individual? I'll pick one that I think is, it's an important one. And and there was a client that I worked with a couple of years ago, and he, um, you know, we'll call him Greg, just for the sake of argument here. He had, had worked for an organization, was a high performer, and um, wanted, to, wanted to go up for a VP position. So I have worked within the organization. I worked with a lot of different people, as I mentioned, the team coaching process that we have. And I knew from others that he, that he was not perceived as someone who could function at that level. He was a great senior leader. He was a great manager, very charismatic, but he had a tendency for creating a lot of drama. And so everywhere he went, he would, you know, if there was a mountain, he would make a molehill out of it. And if he personally was convicted about something, he would absolutely not let it go. And, and the organization just felt like that's not what was going to serve the greater organization at a senior level, magnifying that kind of behavior. However, he was applauded for a lot of his passion and his charisma and um, people loved him. And so he was never provided the opportunity to hear that feedback directly. And so working with him, I knew what he wanted and I you know, engaged him on a level of asking if he was really open to hear the feedback of the organization. And he was. And so we entered a process and it was for him a about a six month process of really understanding how people saw 
what he considered some of his strongest talents. And it's so interesting because that happens a lot. The thing that makes us so unique and useful and um, productive in a certain level of role becomes a bit of a of a limiter if we exercise it like a Popeye muscle without without awareness and without constraint. And that's where he'd gotten with it. And so we we worked through kind of what people saw, where it came from in his talent basket and how he could harness it and modify it so that he could make it a stronger leadership talent without losing kind of his his authenticity or his pride or how he saw himself. And once he started doing that, he realized that he could do it, that he was actually much more effective in, you know, dialing back the drama and instead being more articulate about the why. And so he had, you know, re- kind of recreated this process for himself. And then he he engaged on what, what we call a personal PR campaign to get the organization to see his new behaviors in a different light. And within six months, he went from being no way a candidate to a dark horse candidate to getting that promotion. And, and all because he was willing to do the hard work of seeing what his impact was, how his impact was not helping other people where it was maybe some people liked it and and thought it was fun or funny but really the organization wasn't benefiting from him at his highest level made that change was bold enough to to go out and and talk about it in an authentic way and he got what he wanted and he got into a place where he could serve the organization better and i could tell probably a hundred stories like that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that's great. So how do you personally stay motivated and moving during tough times? <laughs> I, I have always known, I, I'm one of five kids, um, and I've always known kind of a family trait uh, of perseverance just kind of rides within our, our family. So I would say that first and foremost, it's just sheer grit. But second, and I really believe this, that one thing I've learned throughout my life is that if we just, that that wherever we're at, whatever challenges we have today, they are the teachers of tomorrow's victories. That whatever I'm learning, and I've been, I'm sure you have as well, in places where it's like, oh my gosh, why, how did I get here? You know, why me? Why this hardship? And um, and, and I've even been through a cancer journey. And I remember thinking like in the first moments of, of receiving that diagnosis, thinking, hey, this is a one and done. And uh, there's something in here I've got to learn. And sure enough, open, being open to that to that fact that cancer was going to be a teacher and not a limiter for me. I learned a ton through that process that I have over the last, you know, eight years been able to really help my clients understand the dynamics of stress and prevent it in their lives so that they could keep their vitality so they wouldn't have to go through that journey. And I do believe that those challenges are teachers. And if we wait, everything changes in a blink. Now, it doesn't seem like it's a blink when it's happening, but then when things change, it's a blink. And, And for all the hardships that I've gone through in life, I wouldn't give many, if any of them back. So what are some of the lessons that you learned through your cancer journey? And I love, uh, you know, the focus that you, that you had uh, during that time. That's awesome. But what are some of the lessons that you learned that you take with you? So one of the lessons that I learned and, and for a while, I, I taught like a mini course to my clients called the pink permission slip. What I, what I learned with cancer is that what we want is so much closer in reach than 
than what we think it is. So one of the things that I did um, when I got that diagnosis, I knew, you know, hey, I, I knew immediately what needed to change. It, I, it was always right there in front of me. I knew how low my resources were. I knew I had clients that needed to graduate from their services. I knew I had to change some things with my schedule. Like I knew those things were there. I knew that I wanted to do them, but I didn't feel empowered to do them until the minute I had cancer. But within 30 minutes, I made a whole host of changes in my business and in my life that allowed me to just simply function better. And I, and in that exercise, in that moment, I learned that I don't have to wait for cancer. I never have to, I don't have to use the cancer card to be able to do what I strategically think is right to do in my life. And the the cool part about it was I went through cancer with a very small group of people aware that I even had cancer. I had uh, clients who I saw every other week for a whole year, even though I lost every stitch of hair on my head, who never knew I had cancer. And, and that's what I mean about you don't need to wait for a tragedy or something to happen in your life to write yourself a permission slip to do what you think is the right thing to do. And so that was a very powerful, powerful lesson that I took from cancer. And the other thing I took from cancer that aligns with that is that we don't have anything to prove to anybody else. There's nothing to prove. We are all, we all come into this world equal. And, and a lot of us, and I, I dare to say women in particular, are often trying to prove their worth, to prove they're good enough, to prove they can do something. And cancer just stopped that for me. I stopped trying to prove myself. I accepted that what I had to offer was actually really great. And um, once I stopped proving, I stopped overdoing things and things actually became more transformational in my client engagements, in the work that we were able to do. And because I came into every engagement without that responsibility on me personally. So it, those two things are probably the most powerful lessons I took away from for that particular challenge. Well, and I think underneath both of those is kind of a similar thought that, yeah, we don't need validation from others and we don't need permission from others. Mm-hmm. And, and, and too many people are shifting their lives or, or playing life smaller or mm-hmm. um, making decisions based on, you know, what others are going to think or what others believe about them, et cetera. And uh, yeah, I always say like no one else is in our shoes and, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not going to have the same perspective. And so, yeah, it's, it's our job to create the life and the work as we see it. Yes. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, So what words of wisdom would you have for others who are working to make their own impact in the world? I, I think the best advice that I could share with someone is that in all things, be yourself, but be your best self. And, and that takes really understanding what your core talents and your core value is that you want to offer to the world. And that, that every day know what kind of impact you're having on whatever your environment is, whether it's whether you're working with an organization, whether you're with your family and friends, whether you're an entrepreneur and you're making your, your impact that way. We all have an impact and we want to know what it is so we can make sure that it's actually the impact that we want to have. So be yourself and be your best self. Perfect note to end on. I love that. Absolutely. 
Um, I, you know, the world is waiting for you, your unique impact. And if we design our lives and our work again around what other people think or feel we should be doing, uh, we're likely going to miss that because they're not going to have that perspective, that insight. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly, for everything that you shared today. If you want to connect with Kimberly, you can find all of her links and information on today's show notes. Uh, And again, thank you so much. Kimberly. Oh, thank you so much, Kirsten. It was a lot of fun being on today. Thank you for allowing me to share. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye.